series called The Artist in the Art, and last week we talked about just broken pieces. Um, we talked about that many of us, that God has actually designed us to be a masterpiece, that God has designed us for a purpose and for a reason, and we also um, read a verse that's going to be on the screen, it's Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4, and it says this, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him in love, and the theme behind this entire scripture was simply this, you were defined by God before the world could ever define you. Before God created anything, before he created oceans, before he created mountains, before he created absolutely anything in the world, you were the plan all along. And so before you could be defined by a mother, before you could be defined by a brother, a father, or any friends or coworkers, God looked down and he defined you. Now the problem is a lot of us, um, we get beat up by this thing called life, right? And so these broken and shattered pieces, and we're trying to make sense of all of them. So throughout this entire series, all we're saying is this, that God is the great artist, and he's really, really good at what he does. And he's really, really good at taking broken, shattered pieces of your life and putting them back together again. So this is the theme that I want to talk about this week in week two of this series, and it's simply this. We are not called to perfection, but we are called to progress. We're not called to perfection, but we are called to progress. We are called to enter in a race. Isn't it so freeing that when you read the scriptures that you're not called to be perfect? I mean, for me, I mean, maybe it's not as freeing as it is for you, but for me, it's so freeing to know that God does not expect me to be perfect, but he does expect me to progress. And we get this in 1 Timothy chapter 12, verse 14 through 15, and it says this, and this scripture is usually used for younger adults, but I want you to note something at the very end. Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity, until I come. Devote yourself to the public reading of scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. Listen, this is like just this overwhelmingly daunting list that Paul is telling Timothy. Hey, listen, I know you're a Christian now. Now here's all the things that I need you to do. Then he says, do not neglect the gift you have, which was given by you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. Okay, so all of that, if we would just take that, and we could take, okay, I've got to do this, I've got to do this, I've got to check this off the list, I've got to do this, I've got to do this, and I've got to be perfect to simply be a Christian. And then Paul throws in this line that changes absolutely everything. He says, practice these things, immerse yourself in them, so that all may see your progress. So this is what he's saying. This is what Paul's saying. He's saying the life of a Christian is simply just entering into the race and saying, God, I am available and I am willing to do whatever you would have me do. Sure, I might get angry at times. Sure, my temper may rise. Sure, I might have lustful thoughts. Sure, I might have all these things. But God is calling us to progress. He's calling us to move forward, but he's not calling us to perfection. When the Apostle Paul was training Timothy in the disciplines of the faith, he developed a healthy standard, which was simply, Timothy, you need to progress. So listen, maybe you've gotten saved a year ago, maybe you were saved 15 years ago, 20 years ago, or maybe you got saved a week ago, or maybe you're not saved at all yet. Here's the coolest thing about Jesus. All God is calling us to do is that we would move forward slowly each and every day. So when you look back at your life a year ago, your life and your thoughts and your desires and your wills and your wants should be a lot different. So the standard wasn't perfection, it was perseverance. 
He wasn't asking Timothy to simply try, but he was asking him to train. And that's what most of us have got to understand, that God is simply just calling us into a race. And here's what I see with so many Christians and so many people that, um, like we talked about last week, that have just these broken pieces, like life has just taken you and put you through the ringer and just beat the mess out of you. And so we fall into this mentality of, you know what, I just deserve this kind of life. I don't really want to try anymore because I've just been through so much. I've been hurt by church, or I've been hurt by Christians, or I've been hurt by my mom, I've been hurt by my dad. And listen, the, the greatest thing in the world is that through God's gracious grace, he offers, he's saying, listen, I'm not calling you to be perfect. I'm just calling you to enter into the race and just simply move forward each and every day. I don't know if you've noticed this. I'm about to experience it in August when we have uh, Timothy again. Um, but for all of my other uh, children, I don't know if you know this, and I know we've got a lot of moms in here. When babies are first born, they are ugly. Like, they are just ugly. Like, and you ever notice it? Like, the mom is like, oh, my God, this is the most beautiful thing in the world. And the dad's in the corner like, dude, that thing is ugly, man. Um, at least that's how I was. I'm sorry. That's what, uh, my kid comes out. It's like, it wasn't inglorious. It's awesome. Birth is great. And then you look at it and you're like, what have I just produced? Um, but there's this cool thing. And I've told my wife over and over, um, like, I don't really connect with the babies when they're little. And like, I try to, but they just like sit on you, right? They just like stare at you. And my wife, I, I, that's like her favorite time. My favorite time is when they can start walking, when they can start talking, I can start communicating with them, I can grab them and throw them on the couch, we can wrestle, we can, if you're, if, if you have daughters, you play with ponies, you know, like, Amelia's into My Little Pony now, so we have, like, 50 different ponies, um, but my, my favorite stage is when you can actually play with them, but the coolest thing whenever you're a parent is this, when they're in that infant stage and they start transitioning from that infant stage to kind of that middle, like, toddler stage. And then they start kind of moving and getting around. And as a parent, if you're a first-time parent, you're like, awesome, they're walking, this is great. But if you've had kids before, you try to hold them off as long as possible because you know if they start moving, now they're going to get into stuff. But... One of the ways that God has designed children is when they start walking, I don't know if you have noticed it, but they have like this pencil-like body and this gargantuan head. Um, so this huge head with this skinny body. And so when they start walking, if you start noticing it, they'll kind of pull themselves up on the coffee table and maybe let go and kind of test the waters out a little bit. Like, should I do this? Should I not? And when they let go... It's like everybody in the room, they pull out their phones, they're all excited, okay, he's about to walk here, she's about to walk, this is going to be awesome, we're all cheering, and then all of a sudden, gravity takes over, right? Because he has this huge skull with a tiny body, so he's only got one option, I can either put one head, uh, foot in front of the other, or my head is going to take me down to the ground, and what happens in that moment, that baby or that child begins to walk, and he takes two or three steps, and does he get it down in the first try? No. no. What does he do? He takes two or three steps, and then he falls. Now, everybody in the room that is watching this child walk for the first time, what do they do when this child walks and progresses and makes a few steps? They celebrate, right? They celebrate why? Because he's progressing. Because he's moving on. Did he get it right the first time? No. 
I've never seen a dad look at a little, like, one-year-old and say, like, seriously, son, I think you can do better than, like, one step. You know, I think we can get, like, 10 or, or 15 in there. Why? I mean, that, that would be, that, that'd be a joke. His son would never walk if the dad was always heaping condemnation on him, right? But here's the truth. I think for a lot of us, we're like that. We're like that. See, that's what Jesus just simply wants. For many of you, you're entering in the Christian life, and he wants you to just pull yourself up on the coffee table and make some steps. Like, let's get going. But the problem is, is when we fall, we think God's angry at us. When in reality, God's celebrating that we're making progress. We're not the same person that we were six months ago. You see, God celebrates progress. He wants us to move forward. He's not angry when we fail and, and, when, we, and, and when we do things that we shouldn't do. This is what he celebrates. When we fail and we mess up and we, we've got broken pieces in our life. And then what we do? We get back up. I mean, each child that wants to continue walking has to do what? They have to continue to get back up after failure, after failure, after failure, after failure. And eventually they get this whole walking thing down. Unless you're my son Isaac, who literally trips over his own feet. He's four years old. He's like, this boy has more bruises and bumps and cuts. It looks like, like we beat him or something. He's always falling down. But the sad thing is many of us view God in this anger kind of state when we fall. We feel like we can't run to him because we feel like we need to run away from him. Because, man, I just, I just, I just messed up. I just blew my temper or I just took it out on my kid or I just gave in to lustful desires. And instead of running to God and making progress, we run away from him. We run away. We think that we've got to go and we've got to clean ourselves up and we've got to get our act together. And then when we get our act together, then we'll come back to God. We are convinced that God is up in heaven going, what are you doing? Why did you fall again? Or maybe he, maybe you hear things like, hey, listen, we're going to get this quiet time down. Like, when are you actually going to pick up that Bible? Like, when are you actually going to get involved? When are you, and you hear these voices over and over and over. And so instead of running to him, we run from him. And what ends up happening, especially if you come to church, you start picking up like this Christian lingo. You start picking up like these phrases. Because you think that if you can just say the right thing, act the right way, do the right thing, then you'll be good. But inside, you're just absolutely miserable. You know, one of the things that we, we say this all the time, and my, when my dad started the church 15 years ago in Jennings, I mean, he said this from day one, is, hey, our, our goal is not to make you religious. Our goal is to help you have a relationship with Jesus. Because listen, it's so easy to get caught up in this kind of like lingo, like, hey man, hey, is everything good? Yeah, everything's good, brother. Like when everything's not good, <laughs> like when your life is falling apart, God is calling us to run to him. God is calling us to make progress. The Bible teaches us that when you experience him and let go of the coffee table and fall, the Father says... Did you see that? He's making progress. He's not holding a grudge against you. He's not angry at you. 
Zephaniah says this, he delight, his delight is in me. He dances and sings over me. So this should be our reply. So, man, maybe we've got blood on our knees from falling down quite a few times and life has beat us up. But the Father comes along, he cleans up our legs, and he goes, get back up, and I'll supply the crutches if you need them for a little while, and I'm going to help you progress. That's what the Father does. And listen, some of us have a tainted view of who God is because we had a bad earthly dad. So when people say things like, man, the Father is gracious and loving and he freely forgives you, it just doesn't sit well with you. It doesn't sit well with you because your dad was anything but gracious or loving or kind. And when you fail, maybe he was just scolding. But I want you to know that the Father is nothing like your earthly. Like you can fall over and over and over again. And he comes back alongside of you and he picks you up and he supplies the crutches if you've got a limp for a little while. All he wants us to do is just keep going. So I want to call some of you out this morning that God is calling us to enter grace. He's just calling us to progress. And listen, it gets messy. But it's so worth it. It's so worth it. Here's the truth. If we aim at perfection, we fall short every single time. You know, the funny thing about this video is when it starts off, is every mom, they're like, describe you and your motherhood. And what do they do? Well, you know, I get angry, I blow up, you know, I'm probably not as good of a mom as I should be, and I probably should feed my kids on time at 12 o'clock, but it was 12.30, and they starve for a little bit. You know, like, they, they, they bring out all the negative attributes. And a lot of times, that's what we do in the Christian walk. We're like, yeah, you know, I probably could have read my Bible a little longer. I probably could have done this. I probably should have said this. I probably should have done this. And then we flip the roles. Then we see, what did the kids say about the mom? She's the greatest mom in the world. I love her. She, she jumps on the trampoline with me. She, they, they think the world... Of her. It's the same way that the Father views us. Same way. Same way that Jesus views you and I. See, if we persevere at making progress or in are willing to let God work on us as long as it takes, good things happen. We won't ever arrive at perfection on this side of heaven. It's just never going to happen. But we are going to move forward. We're farther along than we were a year ago and wiser than we were six months ago. God delights in progress. God delights in progress. You see, sometimes when you're in the race, it's hard to remember what God's doing in you, right? It's hard to remember. Like for my kids, they're growing up right before my eyes. And, and it's so hard to notice it. You know, because I see them every day. I become familiar with them. And then I look at a picture from two years ago and I'm like, oh my gosh. Like, can we just freeze time? Leave it like right here? But they're growing. They're progressing. They don't see it. I don't see it. But then when we look back and we celebrate kind of the past of where they were, where they were and where they are now, it makes sense. God is calling us. I don't know if you know this, but um, 
before the Reformation took place, before there was ever like the Protestant church, um, Martin Luther and many other monks believed that when they sinned, um, they would deal with their sin through penance. Um, so if they did something wrong, then they had to harm themselves for God to actually forgive them. So they would do things like they would whip themselves. Um, they would walk with glass in their shoes. They, they would strip themselves down naked and go sleep in the snow. Like, they believed that when they did something wrong, that they deserved to beat themselves. They felt in order to fully be forgiven, they had to inflict pain upon themselves. Now, we may not do this in the way of physical harm, and some do. We may not whip ourselves or put glass in our shoes. But we do the same thing just in different ways. Instead of running to God in our mess, we punish ourselves by running away from Him. And go, hey, this is just the man, this is just what I deserve. This is just the kind of person I am. This is the life that I should have. You know what? I should just take everything that's coming to me. And, and we like, we like believe that it's good to chastise ourselves and we believe that it's good to just take all this on and that we deserve it all. And the truth is we do. But we forget about one part, that there is this gracious, loving Father who bends down and picks us up every single time. You've got to get that. Every single time. Not just one time. Not just one failure that he picks you up. Every single time you fall, there is forgiveness. See, Jesus says in Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28, then Jesus said, come to me, all who are weary and carry heavy burdens. And what? I will give you rest. So this is what he's saying. Come with your mess. Like, don't run away. Don't try to clean yourself up and then try to... Perfection, but he simply demands. Jesus doesn't call us to perfection, he calls us to simply progress. So, and this is what so many of us get tied up in is that our, we have to live a life that is just perfect, we have to live a life that completely says, So, let me give you a personal example. When I sin, the punishment of hell is not the first thing that comes to my mind. It's just not. Like, I don't sin and then I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm going straight to hell for doing this. When I sin, this is what happens. I'm convicted of my sin, I wrestle with my sin, and then I buy into the fact that God's angry. Then I buy into the fact that I've got to repent like 50 million times and hopefully God will accept one of them. Like hopefully God will accept one of my pleas, one of my cries. But the truth is, Christ's forgiveness means this. When I've wronged him with my sin, he forgives me 
without holding a grudge. Without holding a grudge. And for some of us, that's hard to see. Because we're humans, right? So when somebody does something wrong to us, what do we do? We, we hold a grudge. We, we hold on to bitterness. And when somebody wrongs us, they've got to do everything possible that they can to try to make it up. But with Jesus, it's, it's, it's as if the offense has never been committed. In Christ, there is only full forgiveness. There's no such thing as partial forgiveness. There's no such thing as holding grudge. There's no such thing as partial forgiveness. But the thought of perfect forgiveness forces out all darkness and all apathy inside of us. You begin to understand that your filth and your wickedness has been blotted out. That you've been fully forgiven. See, Ephesians 1 should be an anchor to your soul. You should read Ephesians 1 and it says, Before the foundations of the earth, knew you. Before the foundations of the earth, I had a plan for you. See, that should be an anchor to us. And God is absolutely, when we have surrendered our lives and we have committed our lives to Him, He is committed to us. And when we fall and we fail and when we mess it all up and there's broken pieces all throughout our life, God is asking for progress. Here's a hard fact. The truth is, most people already know you're not perfect. So don't waste time trying to prove otherwise. People know you're not perfect. People know you're flawed. But so many of us live a life, especially in this Christian fear of seeking perfection. And what I mean when I say perfection, this is what I mean. I mean this. So many of us seek to live a life it appears on the outside like everything is going well. So we show up, what do we do? We walk through the doors and somebody greets us and they say, How, hey, how's everything going? Everything's great. But like inside there's this deep longing. Inside there's something going on that you just can't tap into. Inside there's something that is empty. Inside your marriage is broken. Inside your kids are running away. Inside there's things that you just simply cannot figure out. And so for some of us to progress, this is what's got to happen. We've got to take the mask off. We've got to be willing to be vulnerable and say, you know what, everything that I've tried to make my life look like, it's really not. Man, my finances aren't in order. Man, my marriage really isn't where it needs to be. Like just being vulnerable. So people already know you're not perfect. So we need to stop wasting time trying to prove otherwise. But they will pay attention when there's progress. You see, when Jesus transforms you, and he comes and he lives inside of you, and he begins to make your will and your wants towards him and toward, instead of things towards the world, this is what happens. People begin to take note of what's going on inside of you. They go, man, you're just different. Like, what's going on? Like, why are you happy? Like, why are you smiling? Like, why do you come to work just happy? Progress. Progress, not perfection. See, the authentic Christian life is often compared to a journey in a long race. Keyword, long race. But seeing the end of his own life, Paul told Timothy, 
I have finished the race. I finished the race. And Hebrews urges us to run the race with endurance, the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus. So here's the deal. How you run today and how you'll run tomorrow will reflect how many times you decide to get up. So here's my own personal struggle at times. I sin, I fall into things. I'm like, man, I blew it the rest of the day, so I might as well just, the rest of the day is a crapshoot. <laughs> Can I say that? I don't know. Um, I blow it, I fall, I do things, and then the rest of the day is just like, you know what, I don't, I'm not going to pursue Jesus because I already messed it up. I already messed up. And then what happens? It starts this long string of lines of just things that begin to take place. And it's like this snowball effect that begins to take place. And we begin to be at a standstill instead of making progress. Even failures and setbacks at times are a, time, are a part of God's plan. But like Timothy, you haven't finished the race yet. So today is another opportunity to progress, to move on, to move forward. In 2 Timothy, finishing the verse in 4-7, Paul says this. He said, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, and I have kept the faith. So here's what Jesus is asking us to do. He's not calling us to perfection. He's calling us to a place where we enter the race, and though there may be bumps in the road, where we can look back at the end of our life and say, you know what, I ran the race. I've got a few wounds, I've got a few scars, got a few things that I might regret, but the truth is I am fully and freely forgiven. And I can continue to move forward and move on. We have a saying around here and it goes like this. It's okay to not be okay, but it's not okay to stay there. I'll say that again. It's okay to not be okay, but it's not okay to stay there. So maybe you've come in feeling ashamed, maybe you're feeling dirty or overwhelmed, but here's the truth. God knows. So this is what God is calling you to this morning. Like, if you feel that, if you feel that guilt, you feel that shame, then he's calling you to make progress this morning. He's calling you to say, you know what, I'm, I'm going to decide to enter into the race and allow God to begin to start what only he can do. See, the whole point of the cross is you being right where you are right now so that you wouldn't have to be there tomorrow. Remember, God is the artist in the art. He's in your story. He's in your pain. He's in your defeat. He's in your failure. And just because you feel broken and just because you feel fragmented and just be feel, because you feel like life has been shattered in certain places, it does not mean that God is not there. Listen, I'll, I'll be real brutally honest with you. This week was probably one of the most difficult weeks I've had in six months. Um, super busy. I'm going to bed almost every night around 11, waking up at 5. Then on top of that, um, and we get a call, a phone call uh, at the beginning of the week, and we have a lady that, as many of you know, we're trying to move here to Crowley, but we've been holding our house has been for selling James. And uh, so we get a call and from a realtor, and we said, hey, got somebody interested in your house. And then just like that, boom, boom, she calls back, and she's like, all right, they want the house. Uh, and they want to do a cash deal on the house. And uh, once we sign papers, most likely on Monday, we've got like till the end of the month to get out. Catch is we don't have a house yet. Okay, so I'm trying to figure all this out. We're like going and looking at all these places. And it comes down to the fact of simply this. 
God, I have no idea what's going to go on other than the fact that I just trust you. I just, I don't know what's going on. I sat down with my wife last night and man, this week it was stressful. It was intense. There was all these things going on. And I'll be honest with you, I let it in some way take over. And I failed to forget how God has provided in the past. And not just financially, I'm talking about in my life. Like how God has met me at the low points of my life every single time. But sometimes what happens is when you're in a broken, fragmented season of life, you fail to remember what God has brought you from before. You fail to remember God's faithfulness. You fail to remember His goodness. And I'm here this morning to tell you that God is a faithful Father and there is full and free forgiveness for anyone that would submit and surrender their life to Him. So I don't know what you're going through, what you're battling with, what you're struggling with. But I do know this. Through the scriptures, God teaches us that all that come to him, that all that would surrender and cement their life to him, and he brings them in like a loving father, regardless of your past, regardless of your mistakes, he welcomes you into the family. And here's the coolest part. You don't have to be somebody you're not. You can come in with all of your scars, all of your wounds, and then through progress, and then through God helping you to move forward, you begin to become a new creation. You begin to become a new person. So listen, I know this was uh, probably the worst Mother's Day message possible. <laughs> But, I want you to know this. The reason I felt like I needed to share this this morning is, over the past six months, I've had so many conversations with people here in this room. Man, and just seeing people transformed and changed by God's grace, and they're totally different people, and it's incredible. Then there's other people that are just, man, they're, they're so hungry, but they're so broken so fragmented. They feel like, man, I've just been dealing with this for so long and it's never going to leave. Progress. Make a commitment to say, God, I'm going to move forward each and every day. And it may just be one simple, small step. And some days and some weeks you might make a lunge and you might make a, a leap. And in some weeks you feel like you maybe made a few steps backwards, but you keep going. Because God's with us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for who you are. God, we thank you that you haven't called us to perfection, but God, that you have called us to progress. God, that you have called us to a life where we would enter into the race. Say, God, I'm here. I'm willing. I may be broken. I may be scared. I may have some trust issues. But God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to lean on you knowing that you're going to carry me, knowing that you're going to push me through this. In Jesus' name, amen.